0: fantastic. Okay, so I have, um, I've worked too much this week, and I prepared a message on the Sabbath, like a message about the Sabbath. And I worked so much. that last night, I was like, I can't preach a message about the Sabbath. I have busted my butt all week long and not had any Sabbath at all. I've not had a break. And the idea of the Sabbath is it's like, like when they came out of uh, Egypt, um, when Moses is you know, kind of given them the rules and all that. And later on when he's explaining, he's like, when you came out of Egypt, you, you're you not slaves anymore. So you can have a day off. He's like, your identity is not defined by your work. You don't have to work seven days a week like a slave. That's what you were. But now you you can have your Sabbath again. And it's this beautiful idea of having a day of rest and contemplation and reflection and worship and family. And it became an ugly thing uh, because the um, the religious elite had kind of reprogrammed Sabbath to being about rules and laws and regulations. But at its heart, it's this beautiful thing about having a space. And uh, I didn't do that. So I have a different message for you today. Because I don't, I don't like to preach things that are too convicting for me. Um, I like to preach things that are convicting for you. Um, so late last night, I, I, I pulled some stuff out of my my drawer and uh, this is a much better fit. I think this is a good one today. So uh, if you have your Bible, I'm going to be reading from the book of John. Book of John. Uh, the book of John, that's right. That's, good book. I've been that's right. John is my yeah. And chapter 13. And I'm going to start right at the beginning of chapter 13. It says, it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew And wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, You have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Now that you will know that now that you will now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So the uh, this is what we we know is the last supper uh, and it's a special supper for Jesus. It's it's special because it's a Passover supper. So it's in the Jewish calendar. It is a special meal, but it's special because um, because it is Jesus last supper. And this is a, a story that is recorded um, across the Gospels. But in the book of John here, we have this extra story about where Jesus washes feet. And in that first verse, it just starts out, it just says, Jesus knew that the hour had come. This is a really special supper because this is, this is like a deathbed farewell. He knows this is the end. It's not... You know, there's no, uh, he doesn't die surprisingly or uh, unexpectedly. He knows what's going to happen and this is his farewell to his friends. It's the last time that he is sure he'll be able to share with his brethren. Uh, And if you knew that your hour had come, if you knew that this was your last supper, what would you want to do? What would you want to say? How is, how is it that you would want to share with the people that are, uh, that are dearest and closest to you? Because Jesus knows that he doesn't have long. So he gathers his closest friends and he intimately and humbly serves them because he loves them. And you see, he, he even does this for Judas. Even Judas, who he knows is preparing to betray him, he washes Judas's feet. Because even knowing what Judas is going to do, Jesus loves him. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, I, I have spoken from this passage numerous times and, and every time I try to find a relevant modern day kind of uh, parallel to this story and it's it's difficult to find because like other people when like, I gonna read commentaries and things like that. And some people say things like, well washing feet is like cleaning someone's toilet. Uh or you know like or it's a, a gesture when you you know when you arrive and the host because like in their culture it's a normal thing, right? Like you arrive and the host there is a, a servant or a, a woman or someone I don't know who, who washes your feet. It's just a normal so maybe it's like when I make coffee for people when they come into my home. Like I like we bought the coffee machine. Like I like coffee. But I bought a nice coffee machine because I wanted people to be in my home. And I wanted them to feel more welcome. I wanted them to feel loved and honored. Maybe washing feet is like making people coffee. But none of these parallels really work because normally it's a, uh, a person who is lower in the social order who does the washing of feet. And it's just a, a thing that is done. It's not an intimate thing. But when Jesus does this, this is a profoundly, shockingly intimate thing. When Jesus washes his disciples' feet, it is the the, the touch and, the, uh, and what it means and knowing that it's his last moment with them, it, it takes on a whole nother value. And uh, the only uh, example that I can think of that... That comes close to this for, for my own kind of story is, is um, quite a, a lot of years ago now I, um, I knew a, a person who was in hospital because uh, they had all sorts of cancer in their body and they'd been in hospital for months and months and we were not close friends uh, so I didn't know that they were in hospital and they'd been in hospital before with cancer and then they'd come out and then they were back in hospital again and uh, but they'd broken their hip and they were bedridden and gaunt and didn't really know what was going to happen, um, and because they were bedridden and gaunt and had broken the hip, their, their body had atrophied and their legs and feet and hands and it was it was um, it was really terrible. And and I went to visit him, and because he'd been there for so long, uh, and I, I've heard other people have this share of this as well. If you have a prolonged illness, at the beginning of that. People are very sympathetic and they'll make your meal, they'll come visit or whatever. But after a long period of time, six, seven, eight months, longer, people start to be more and more uncomfortable with coming around or they or especially if you have a mental health or immune kind of thing, people think it doesn't really exist anymore. Like, you know, like because they can't see it. But you know, like so he'd been in this hospital and the number of people that were coming to visit had got smaller and smaller and smaller. He was sick and he was lonely. And uh, and when I found out, I went in and and started to visit him and just felt really compelled to be with him, no matter how this situation worked out. And um, when I was in there one day, a specialist was there and they were saying, you know, you really need um, to massage your legs and feet if you're ever going to be able to stand again. Because the the length of the muscles and things, he he couldn't stand. He hadn't physically stood um, for six months. So as I started to visit him uh, uh, quite regularly during the week, um, I started to massage his feet. And like it's a weird thing, like men don't really do touch. Like in our culture, we have this, this touch taboo between men. Uh, like it's not masculine or it's somehow, um, you know, like an expression of your sexuality if you if you touch another man or, you know, like, so we don't do intimacy well. We do like manly bro hugs where we punch each other on the back and, you know, like, because we, we need that. We crave that. And it's natural for us to desire the connection that comes in um, with peers and friends, but it is unusual. And so massaging this guy's for getting like cream out to massage literally his decrepit feet is a weird thing. And it took a while for us to break through the, the, um, the awkwardness of that, because it isn't customary for one man to massage another man's feet. Like, that's weird. It is difficult enough for grown men, and I suspect this is true for, for women as well, but for grown men to get together and have the intimacy even of prayer, but the intimacy of, of, of to massage someone's feet... Um, To break down those barriers and to just say, no, this is why I'm here. I'm here to serve you. It's an act of intimacy um, that was very difficult and awkward and profoundly beautiful. Uh, And as we persisted through that, eventually he stood for the first time in six months. um, It was strange and and beautiful. And we were not close before then and we're not close friends now. But for that period of time... um, I was able to serve him in a physical, intimate, beautiful way. And he, uh, he ultimately did recover and can walk again now. And, and that's really uh, wonderful. But it's a, that act of physical touch is intimate and beautiful. So imagine that you have been diagnosed with a terminal illness. And this is your last meal with your family and friends. You don't, you don't say, I'm going to clean your toilet to express love to you. You know, that's what I mean. Like the disgusting job is not the way that you, that you share the deepest part of your intimacy and soul and say, I love you. It's just a task. So Jesus is not saying, as I have now done this for you, go therefore and wash each other's dishes. He's saying, as I have loved intimately and given of my life and my time and my heart, as I've been vulnerable, as I've been compassionate and kind, as I've had mercy, as I have served, as I have loved you, go and love others. And it is far, far more than, than simply doing stuff for each other. And there are times when even us as a community, like we joked before, like, oh, we had some spare time, so turn to the person next to you and talk to them. That's not intimacy. Intimacy. Being a welcoming person in a church that welcomes a new person and then never talks to them ever again, that's, it's very welcoming, but it's not the same as saying, uh, knowing them and connecting with them. And I'll encourage you when we're here, when we're in mission heart, like let's not clump gl- together. Let's get to know one another. Let's serve one another. Let's do as Jesus did. It's not just a, when Jesus says to do, these, to do this foot washing thing, he's not just saying just out of duress, do some nice things. He's saying love deeply and intimately. I, um, both of my parents are uh, alive and well, uh, but my father keeps trying to die from cancer. Um, so twice uh, he has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, the first time with bowel cancer and the second time uh, with prostate cancer. And the second time around when they diagnosed his cancer, they were like, this is really aggressive, bad news. And it was when he was turning 60 and my whole family, we all gathered at a a park and all my extended family, we all came together to celebrate his 60th birthday. And and we shared a meal together and we sat uh, in the grass with one another. And he told um, told them that he was going to die. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And uh, when we, and we sat in this park and, and he shared about his life and he shared about his faith, and I'd never heard my father share of his faith in God before. Um, I don't ever recall him, um, certainly not in public, crying, um, but he, he cried quietly and he shared of his faith and his love for us, for his family, and it was beautiful and for the gratitude that he'd had for the life that he lived and... Um, I mean, it's very cheeky because he, he, you know, he, he didn't die and that was a long time ago now. Um, so I'm very grateful. Um, but he hoodwinked a lot of us. It was very emotional, but it turned out it was very preemptive. Jesus knew the hour had come. See, at the end, he knew the hour had come. This was the moment where he would, he would share for the last time with his friends. So he had some beautiful and simple things he wanted to share with them. That he loved them. That he accepted them. Even Judas. And He wanted to be one with them. As he and the Father are one, he wanted to be one with them. He wanted them to understand that fellowship. He wanted to be vulnerable with them and intimate with them. He wanted to set an example of what it means to be vulnerable and intimate. To serve and to love and to, like this this is such a beautiful interaction between him and his disciples. He wanted to show them that his kingdom expressed love through humility and through service. He wanted to show them that leadership is humble and servant-hearted, not uh, aggressive and toxic. He wanted to show them that uh, to be the greatest among them is to be the least among them. And he wanted them to continue the practice that he had started. A practice of vulnerability and acceptance and forgiveness and intimacy. Of oneness and humility and servanthood. Jesus knew the hour had come and all he wanted to do was to serve his friends And to hold them and pour his compassion and blessing and forgiveness upon them. Unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Now, I don't know that they understood really what was happening then. Um, I think that, that even makes it harder. Because he, he, he didn't just come out to them and say, the end has come. This is the last time I'll eat with you. He knew, but he didn't want them to have that grief. He just wanted them to have this moment, this beautiful moment of love. He didn't even in this, in this moment, he didn't make it about himself. He made it about his love for them. You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. See, now we have the privilege and the opportunity and the understanding because we know what happens in the story, but they didn't. I wonder how differently they would have responded if they had known what we now know about what would happen in the, day, in the, 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 the hours and days that, that would follow. I'm sure that later on when they reflected on this meal, they, they reflected on on just how incredibly uh, blessed they had been and how unusual and beautiful it was that Jesus served them. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they were really glad that they you know, they didn't phone in sick that day. Yeah, it would have been pretty disappointing to be, to be the disciple that didn't turn up for the Last Supper. Jesus knew this was the last time he would be with his friends. And I can imagine him as he's washing feet, putting aside his normal playfulness. Like I like to picture Jesus as a pretty playful guy, Um, a bit of a, you know, a bit funny and a bit like I think that like there are times where Jesus shares he's just a bit sassy. Like I just don't see him as this really nice, gentle, calm preacher. I see him as a more playful kind of, I don't know, but I see him putting that aside a bit because this is a really solemn moment in the Last Supper. tender and after that he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him now that I your Lord and teacher have washed your feet you also should wash one another's feet I have set you in an example that you should do as I have done for you now he's not saying every time you get together wash each other's feet He's saying serve. But not just in ways that are um, trivial, but in ways that are intimate and vulnerable and beautiful and costly and compassionate and kind. You know what I mean? Like I can I can do a favor for someone or I can help someone, even when I'm really angry with them. But to to wash their feet, there is no chance that if I've misbehaved, that Jess is going to wash my feet. Like if I'm If I'm being a huge ass, there's just no way. Jesus is saying, be related to one another in such a way that this intimacy is is normal, acceptable and, and, and beautiful. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, the Last Supper, obviously, in, in, in the account from John, he records the washing of feet, but in, in the other stories we have of the Last Supper, they, they share a meal together. Uh, and when we have communion here um, in our nice new glass communion cups, um, I w- was told with very strong words that buying more plastic cups would not be good for the environment. So we have uh, nice glass cups now. And as I've been talking quite a lot about the Anabaptists and I, continue, I hope to continue to do that. But one of the things that the Anabaptists believed about communion is that it was the sign of a covenant. Uh, so like all through scripture, you have covenants and then there is a sign of that covenant. So like with Noah uh, and, and God saying, you know, the world will not be destroyed uh, by a flood like this again. And then there was a rainbow. It was a sign of the covenant or the promises that God made with Abraham. And then circumcision was a sign of the covenant. Or, so we have these covenants and then we have a new covenant in Jesus. And he speaks of this new covenant when he breaks the bread and, 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 um, and, and brings the cup of, of wine and The Anabaptists said, well, this is the sign of the covenant is communion. But you see, in a covenant, the way that that normally works is you both covenant to something. So it's a promise to one another. So they had this idea that that the communion fellowship was about believers coming together and saying, yes, we will do as you have called us to do. So it wasn't just saying, I feel forgiven. It was a commitment to then go and be as Christ was, as Christ is. It was a, and it was something that you did communally, you did collectively, because those were the people who you covenant together with to serve one another and to serve your communities. And so when we have communion together, it's a way to rededicate those vows. It's a way for us to remember that we are forgiven and that Jesus loves us and dies to take away the consequence of sin. To, to deal with death once and for all. But also it's part of that covenant is for us to say, and we will serve and we will love and we will be intimate and we will wash one another's feet and we will go and uh, love as Jesus loved. And then Jesus took bread and he gave thanks and broke it. And gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So we're just going to have a a time now of communion. I want to invite you to come uh, communally together uh, and and understand that, that Jesus uh, says this is his body and his blood and that he wants us to remember what he did uh, for us in dying and, and rising again, but also to remember what that means for us as a mission community, what it means for us as Christians together to, uh, to serve the, um, the kingdom of God and, and Jesus in that way. Um, so Katie, would you mind just uh, serving that around for people? Thank you.